right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time to that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome. And I guess welcome to me being back here in the RCST studio. Sorry I've been out the last couple days. Not like anything's been happening of importance, right? Like, no, nothing. Oh, wait. Realignment possibly is happening. I'm Derek Johnson. In today, I've been out the last couple days. I, on Monday, I don't know if you could even hear it on air. I was struggling on Monday. I, worst stomach ache I had ever had. And just going through the show, I, I didn't know if I was going to make it through the show. I thought I was going to pass out at different points of the show. Made it through. Went straight to the hospital afterwards. Turns out, appendicitis. And I had to get my appendix removed. They told me we're going to keep you here overnight. Didn't want me going home in case it ruptures. Want you at the hospital because that's obviously a serious deal. So stayed over the night at the hospital. Tuesday morning, I'm under the knife, knocked out, and I got my appendix removed. And I've just kind of been on the road to recovery ever since. Uh, very painful. I've been on pain meds, looped up on pain meds, and not today. Obviously, I'm on the radio. And, yeah, I mean... it. It's not the worst thing in the world, right? Like, people have worse surgeries all the time. So I, I don't want to act like I'm special or something. I mean, people have worse stuff happen to them all the time. But very painful. Um, the worst part has been the fact that this is surgery on your abdomen. So as you'd imagine, abdomen very sore. Every time you sit down awkwardly, every time you try to lay down, every time you pass that point, you know that point in an angle where it's you're not in a 90-degree sitting angle, but you're not laying flat either, kind of that in-between, it just kills you. It feels like your stomach is being stabbed with a knife. That's not fun. So I haven't been in the past couple days, but I'm back today, and this is my first day without the pain meds because I wanted to come in after the last couple days shows not being able to be here and talk about everything that's going on. So I'm fighting through it, fighting through the injury. I was questionable coming in this morning. I came in. I'll have the weekend to hopefully recuperate after whatever happens today. Let's recap everything that's happened over these past couple days. This all started with the Houston Chronicle reporting that Texas and OU have started talks about joining the SEC. Then Jason Whiteley of WFAA, a TV station in Dallas. I saw him report early next week. The Texas Longhorns and University of Oklahoma will send a letter to the Big 12 Conference stating that neither school will renew their media contracts when they expire in 2025. That's quite a long time if they're going to stay in the conference, but we'll get to that in a second. Following that, Big 12 had a conference call last night. Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic, she reported that Texas and Oklahoma didn't bother showing up. I don't know if it's just they, I would imagine they would have got invited, but maybe they just didn't want to. Maybe they didn't care. Ralph D. Russo, also uh, a writer of college football, he writes for the Associated Press. Here's what he tweeted out, and this is just what the Big 12 gave to a bunch of people, kind of a press release of the highlights from 
the call last night. And this isn't very helpful. But Oklahoma and Texas are founding members of the Big 12, and we value their traditions and history of success. Okay, so we just read a blanket statement there. The eight members strongly desire to retain the current composition, which has proven it can compete at the highest levels. Okay. There's a recognition that institutions may act in their own self-interest. However, there is an expectation that members adhere to conference bylaws and enforcement of grants of rights agreements. This is a time of dramatic change within intercollegiate athletics that presents both opportunities and challenges, and the Big 12 Conference looks forward to continuing to play a major role in its evolution. Pretty much the course of the, the highlights of this call. Yeah, Oklahoma and Texas were part of the Big 12, and now they might not be. Interesting. Did absolutely nothing saying everything there. We look forward to playing a major role in evolution. Dramatic change. This is basically just saying we acknowledge that things are happening, but we're not doing anything about it right now, which is so Big 12. I mean, that that whole highlights, that was about as useful as Patches O'Houlihan once said in Dodgeball, a poopy-flavored lollipop. So Pete Thamel of Yahoo this morning reported the ACC and other leagues have made inquiries through back channels to Oklahoma and Texas. The schools are still expected to start the process of joining the SEC next week. The Texas and OU back channel communication to the SEC has been going on for more than a year. That means they kept this under wraps despite talking about it for over a year. Pretty crazy. Thamel also said, sources add to Yahoo Sports, there remains a strong confidence that Oklahoma and Texas still have the SEC votes, despite AM's staunch objection. I think there's interesting part here to discuss the value of what conference would actually be best for Oklahoma and Texas, the ACC reaching out to them, right? Could you add to the Big Ten and make more money there than the SEC? Could you run the Pac-12 and have an easier path to the playoff than the SEC? Still add to it? Should you just stay in the Big 12? But geographically and from a flash standpoint, it's still probably the SEC. So I, I guess this makes sense. I've, I've seen some rumors going around about the SEC. Maybe even moving away from the NCAA and that being appealing to Oklahoma and Texas. Um, and then Chip Brown today of 24-7 Sports for the Texas Longhorns site on 24-7 Sports. He reported that Texas and Oklahoma, the founding members of the Big 12 Conference, are leaving the league. Kirk Bull of the Austin American Statesman added, prominent Big 12 source tells the American Statesman, the Texas OU move to the SEC is almost done. Quote, they've been working on this for a minimum of six months and the A&M leadership was left out of discussions and wasn't told about it. Move could become official in a week. I guess that one time KU beat Texas must have really spooked them. Maybe all the horns downs, they wanted to leave the conference. And honestly, kind of, kind of a shame that we're not really going to get to establish a long Chris Beard, Bill Self, Texas-Kansas Basketball rivalry, should this happen? But all jokes aside, and there were a lot of good ones on social media talking about this with Texas specifically, while Oklahoma and Texas probably had a better chance of making the playoff running the Big 12, now that things will expand to 12, that might change being in the SEC. I mean, I, I saw this a lot. Like, why would Texas go to the SEC if they uh, aren't going to make the playoff, like you're still going to be now behind Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, so on. 
Well, here's the thing. Texas wasn't making the playoff in the Big 12. They had never made the playoff in the Big 12. They did have a couple, maybe eight and four, nine and three type seasons in the Big 12. And if you go nine and three in the SEC with that format of the SEC for a 12-team playoff when it expands, it's probably getting you in, unlike it would in the Big 12. And before we get to a point saying that, but they won't make it in the SEC while all these other teams, well, they never made it out of the Big 12. So I guess it doesn't matter. Plus, the money that that conference already makes and is now going to add with those two gigantic brands, that's going to run the show even more in college football. It's it's kind of a home run for both schools. So that's the why. You go back to when there was flirting with the Pac-12 over some of the Big 12 schools like Texas and Oklahoma, but this, this is different. This is the SEC. Dan Wetzel actually wrote an interesting piece about why Texas should go independent over the SEC, which I did think had a lot of great points. But again, if they want to be in a conference so bad for other sports or they just don't want to be independent for other reasons, maybe there is the the rumor of the SEC breaking off, then it makes sense. I mean, there'd be a lot to unpack if the SEC did want to break off and kind of be their version of a super league with the NCAA. Like, would teams still play each other? Would they still be in the playoff? Would they conduct their own playoff? I don't know how that would work. A lot of questions in general, but I guess until that becomes more clear, we'll kind of cross that bridge when it comes out. The point is that Texas and Oklahoma, it sounds like by all accounts they're leaving. The only thing that could stop them at this point seems to be a vote from the SEC or politicians getting involved. 11 of the 14 SEC schools have to vote for these schools to be in. Two quote-unquote, and it's not even really a vote. It's called officially like an extended invitation. So 11 of the 14 have to extend an invite to Texas and Oklahoma. It seems like Texas is going to have a harder time getting the vote, which that would be interesting. What if Oklahoma got the nod but Texas did not? Would Oklahoma still go? Would they want to ditch the rivalry with Texas? Would they even care? Would Texas be stuck in the Big 12? I don't know. That would be another interesting discussion. But I don't think they'll really have an issue. Now, obviously, Texas A&M is going to be staunch against Texas, and they might be against Oklahoma in this situation as well. Who knows? Missouri might be against both as well because they left the Big 12 to join the SEC. Maybe they don't want some of their former compadres coming over as well. It makes a little more sense with Texas A&M because they are worried about being uh, or having another Texas school in the same conference as them. Um, Bull, who was did one of those earlier reports, he asked about AM being kept in the dark during the secret negotiations between Texas OU and the SEC. One connected SEC source told Bull, I wouldn't dispute that. And they were kept under wraps about this because people knew that AM would oppose it. Now, AM could oppose it, but if everybody else is on board, it doesn't matter. AM and Missouri could oppose it, but if 11 of 12 are on board, it doesn't matter. And Missouri and another could oppose it. As long as the other 11 are on board, it doesn't matter. They get voted in. AM did claim they have a gentleman's agreement in the SEC to block in-state teams from joining. I don't think that'll end up applying, especially if it's a gentleman's agreement. There's going to be no legal proof of it. Wouldn't it be funny, though, if the SEC was like, hey, Texas wants to join our conference. AM saying we can't have them. Well, I guess if we want Texas, we got to kick Texas A&M. Sorry, A&M. You're gone. You're going back to the Big 12 or whatever conference you want to join. We're taking Texas instead of you. 
It's interesting, though, that they did leave A&M out. And the idea of why, it circles back to the fact that they don't want Texas in the league. They want to be the only school in Texas in the SEC from a recruiting standpoint, and they also left the Big 12 because they were mad that Texas had the Longhorn Network, and they thought that was an unfair advantage. So they wanted to be in a different league than them. Now you'd be forcing them to be in the same league, and m would have never left the Big 12 for the SEC to begin with. They would have just stayed in the Big 12, but in that scenario, Texas would have been in the SEC. So it's kind of a weird situation. And the reason they left A&M out is because they would have likely done what is seemingly happening now. Who leaked this? Probably a good guess that this story got leaked by Texas A&M. Why would they do that, you ask? Because they want to get public support or political support or whatever to try to stop it from happening. Texas and Oklahoma kept this under wraps for at least somewhere six months to a year. They did a great job of it. It's a lot easier to leave if you don't have the public contention against it. Now that A&M's got a hold of it, leaked it out to the press, you have, for instance, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, like, this is a tweet that he could be the only one to stop this move from the SEC from happening. And there have been other situations of, like, Baylor, I think, tried to sue Texas A&M from, like, leaving the Big 12. You have situations like that. Or you have if Greg Abbott, the governor, gets on board here and, and starts fighting for Texas A&M or whatnot. Or you have other politicians. That's what they're trying to do. Now, even if OU and Texas come back at this point, the Big 12 is probably collapsing because of the fact that you know they have one foot out the door. But as far as their entrance into the SEC, A&M is going to try to derail it. I still think this happens, though. I mean, there's too much money in this for all the schools in the SEC not to do it. You could argue, well, what does Alabama and A&M have to gain? Maybe not, but some of those other schools at the bottom, too, your Vanderbilts, Kentucky, so forth, it's going to be an easy yes for them. Too much money. You think of the SEC as being the top dog. They're not, actually. The Big Ten actually earned slightly more money than the SEC in 2020. SEC still has room to grow. Getting Texas and Oklahoma allows the SEC to get back on top and number one there. And that's why, despite A&M's best efforts, this is probably still happening. Would I go as far to say it's a done deal? It sounds like we're heading that way today. And would it surprise me if over the weekend or by Monday we have something more official? No. But don't forget 10 years ago with the whole Pac-12 thing, or at the time Pac-10, it seemed like it was kind of a done deal that a lot of these Big 12 teams were going to go on to the Pac-12. Or again, Pac-10, whatever you want to call it at the time. That didn't end up happening. The fact that Texas A&M has kind of tried to derail this they're kind of trying to turn it into that. Into that idea of it being derailed just like the Pac-12 was. It just seems different this time. And it is a little different when you have the SEC as the eventual destination here. Now, how would this all work for the SEC? You might be wondering, okay, well, if this is the age of super conferences, how are these super conferences going to work? Conferences of 16 teams in them. You're going to play, what, just half the teams every year and you're only going to play a team from the other side once every 10 years? Well, the SEC network, which is the league's television-owned channel, 
had some ideas for 14 pods. You have pod A, pod B, pod C, pod D. You kind of regionally put it together. So like pod D would have Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas. You play the other three teams in your pod every year. Then you play two games against each of the other pods. So in theory, you're playing, if there's four teams in each pod, you're playing half the teams in each pod one year, half the teams the next year. Instead of right now, like Georgia and... Or maybe it's not Georgia. It's like Missouri and one of the teams from the SEC West or something like that. They haven't like ever played. And you get like games where it's like, oh, Florida and Auburn are playing once every 12 years. And it's silly. And you host every team at least once every four years. So this would allow them to schedule the teams more, to rotate more teams. And it would allow for, I guess you just kind of win your pod and maybe the SEC championship game would turn into the SEC semifinals. And then you have the SEC playoffs to determine the SEC champion. Although maybe that would just be unnecessary if there's a four-team playoff. And you could probably have all four of the SEC pod winners get into the college football playoff. And I think that's the kind of system that a lot of conferences could look into if we truly are now going into the four super conferences with the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 scooping up and absorbing the rest of the Big 12 teams with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Now, what about the timelines? When would this occur? Big 12 media rights end in 2025, so that's going to be an obvious date that a lot of people are going to assume, hey, it'll happen by 2025. That'd be kind of a really awkward three- to four-year stretch, though. I think you just kind of rip the Band-Aid off here in that situation, and I'm sure the SEC would help and say, hey, we're just going to pay for you to leave right now. Obviously, there's nothing you can do for them to change conferences right now. But if you told me Oklahoma and Texas are going to compete in the SEC as soon as 2022, I'd believe it. Because at that point, it's just coming down to how big the buyouts are, which the SEC has the money, the schools probably have the money. Maybe they'd pay it, maybe not. But that three to four years where if they're saying, hey, we're leaving for the SEC in 2025, it'd just be weird. Now, having a year after a COVID year where it affects the budget, Maybe that changes things. But I think what you're seeing is this Oklahoma-Texas thing, even despite AM's best efforts, it probably isn't going to matter. They're going to end up in the SEC. But from a Kansas perspective, from a Big 12 perspective, even if they don't, even if they get denied by the SEC and come back, at that point you know there's one foot out the door, they're looking to leave. They're not happy here. So we better find somewhere else to go. We better find a contingency plan for what we want to do. Do we want to change conferences? Does the Big 12 want to change? And here's the thing. I don't know if you've been keeping up with the history of the Big 12 conference. It is the least proactive league seemingly imaginable. So to assume that the Big 12 is going to be proactive here while Oklahoma and Texas are being proactive, probably not a safe assumption, meaning Kansas needs to be proactive. Let's talk about some of their options coming up on the other side. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. There's a lot of things you might be not really living up to snuff about right now. Are you getting enough haircuts? Are you shaving enough? Are you keeping up with your personal hygiene? Well, one thing that you don't want to be a loser about is having that dirty car. You know, whether it's just driving around town, whether it's you picking up a friend, You want the clean car, and don't you want the sparkly clean car that you're proud of? Well, guess what? 
Tommy's Express Car Wash. They are going to hook you up with a great car wash that's going to get that car sparkly nice so that when you go to the store, everybody's looking at your car and says, oh, man. Where did that guy get his car washed? It's wash, rinse, repeat at Tommy's Express Car Wash. You can download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's right, endless washing for one low price with the Tommy Club app. It's unlimited car washes, unlimited clean, shiny, and dry, unlimited use of exclusive app lane, unlimited access to all Tommy's Express locations, because there's a lot of them, unlimited guest service and most importantly, unlimited happiness. They've got the tools and expertise to keep your car clean inside and out. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and Body Wax, wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush and spot free rinse, and vacuuming. So download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy that endless washing. Go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. Welcome back. Rock Shock Sports Talk, FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson. Texas, Oklahoma, off to the SEC. The most pertinent question that means for KU and for the Big 12 would mean it has to disband, right? And if so, it'd kind of be interesting to just see where everybody goes because not everybody's going to be joining the same conference, most likely, unless you get some weird split where the Pac-12 is like, hey, we'll take everybody on. We're just going to make it two sides of the division You'll have your East or Midwest or Coast or Central, whatever you want to call it, and we'll have our Coastal or West Division or whatever on the other side. Most likely, it's going to be kind of a mismatch, like West Virginia could go to the ACC, Kansas goes to this conference, and so forth. And keep this in mind, too. KU and K-State do not have to be linked. That's what came from the Board of Regents about a decade ago, and politics could always play a part. In something like that, right now, doesn't seem like it necessarily. So there could be a scenario where Kansas State ends up in, say, the ACC or the Pac-12 or whatever, and Kansas ends up in the Big Ten, and they're just in different conferences. That doesn't have to be going together. But that leaves KU with a few different options should the Oklahoma and Texas news become official. The first is not be proactive, be reactive just as the Big 12 has always done in leading to this culmination. The second, leave the conference for another league, which obviously you have a couple different ways that can spread out, Big 10, ACC, Pac-12. If you want to go to the non-Power 5 route, I think that would be stupid, but we'll get into that in a second. Let's just go through this one by one. Let's say the current Big 12 schools all say, well, let's just stick around. Let's try to make this work without Texas and Oklahoma. How valuable would that conference even be? I don't think it would be valuable enough. Are they more valuable than the AAC? They're probably about on par. Now, if you assume they stay together, they're probably plucking a few teams from the AAC, so maybe you add Cincinnati to be a traveling partner with West Virginia. You add Houston or SMU to give you another Texas presence next to Baylor and TCU and Texas Tech. So maybe that league is a little bit better than the AAC now, but it's clearly not on the same par as where the Big Ten and ACC and SEC would be, and probably even the Pac-12. Here's just a fun hypothetical. Nebraska and Colorado, you get them back. Texas A&M comes back because they're pissed that the SEC is bringing in Texas. You just add in Houston, Cincinnati, SMU. That would actually work, but that's just a fun hypothetical. Um, That's not going to happen. Those schools all aren't 
going to leave for the Big 12, especially without Texas and Oklahoma there, and when it looks like a sinking ship. The positive of staying in the Big 12 would be not having to cut ties to any media regards or conference ties or going into a situation you're unfamiliar with. It'd kind of be buying in on the ground floor of a new company. But here's the issue. If Texas and Oklahoma leave, the rest of the schools will either leave too, meaning the Big 12 will die, or it'll plunk in media value to make the amount these schools are getting to be in the conference, and they're showing on national TV depleted to be more like a group of five league. And it's basically like everyone is waiting on pins and needles with each other at that point to see who jumps next. You're basically saying, well, we're all, we're all in this together. We're all going to stick around. And then as soon as one person goes, the whole thing falls apart. And you have this idea in your head like, well, we're all in this together, but I feel like that team over there is going to leave us. So why don't we start looking? And then the team to your left is like, but if you're going to start looking because you think they're looking, then I think you're looking, so I'm going to look. And it's just a mess. Nobody can trust each other at that point. Just be the first to make a move so you secure what's good for the university. Which, again, means you have to be proactive. Proactive is the key word. And all the schools do in the Big 12. There's only going to be so many spots available in maybe the Big 10 or the Pac-12 or the ACC. Some of those conferences might just say, no, we don't even need to add teams. We don't want to expand. Others might say, well, we'll add two. We'll add four. You might not get all eight teams into other power conferences. So if you wait around and another school snags that spot and you're left in the rubble, that has impacts not just on athletics but also academics with the amount of money that a school is going to bring in just from the conference. Remember when UConn left the Big East to go to the AAC? Didn't really work out for them. Basketball didn't keep up. Be proactive. And being proactive means joining another league, in my opinion. Majority of the KU fans seem to prefer the Big Ten, but who knows? Maybe the ACC or Pac-12 are on the table. Maybe you can't get into the Big Ten. We don't, we don't know. This is a two-way street. This isn't just, hey, let us in, we're joining. I've seen a few people mention a conference like the AAC. I just want to knock that out right now. Would KU join the American or a group of five? Let me make this very simple. If KU ends up joining the AAC, something went severely wrong. That means they either got denied or didn't act fast enough to get into one of the other three power conferences. That would be a huge mistake. I get the talk about, but they'd actually have an easier path to being okay in football if they joined the, no, stop. That's not what this is all about. Surely football fuels realignment. Football money fuel it. But as far as KU picking a conference, you do everything in your power to not go from a conference in the Big 12 where you're making $35 million to be a part of the conference. You do not do that to drop off to the AAC, who is giving schools somewhere between 5 and $7 million. You are not taking a $28 million pay cut to change leagues. Which, again, means one thing. If KU ends up in the AAC or another non-Power 5 conference, something went amok because at that point you gave up all that money on the table. That means either other conferences didn't want you or you mishandled it yourself. One of those two. My favorite option personally is the Big Ten. 
from the campus geography location perspective, it makes sense. KU also part of the Association of American Universities or the AAU, not the basketball circuit. Big Ten highly values that among universities. They direct a good amount of money into research, academics, grants. That means they value that stuff. Keep this in mind. 13 of the 14 members of the Big Ten are in the AAU. The lone exception is Nebraska. But when Nebraska was given entrance into the Big Ten, they were part of the AAU. So the Big Ten has never admitted a team who has not been part of the AAU. KU being a part of that is huge for their viability in joining the league. It's not the be-all, end-all. Money and football matter most. But this isn't the Big Ten choosing among Kansas versus Oklahoma where they just go, well, Oklahoma's so much better at football, we're choosing Oklahoma. This could be the Big Ten choosing Kansas versus, say, Texas Tech. And Texas Tech's a better football program than KU right now. But it's not enough, given the other stuff, like a member of the AAU, the basketball, the other stuff, that that stuff offsets it. All of it goes into mattering. Who knows? Again, the Big Ten might not be inviting anybody. Maybe the Big Ten doesn't have anything to gain here. But from a KU perspective, I think this would be the biggest win. This is a sports show. We don't really think about the non-sports side of it. But think about this from that academics point with the AAU. There are people in power who make pretty big decisions, whether it's donors, whether it's high-up members of the university, whether it's Douglas Gerard, who are in on these decisions because these are university decisions. These aren't just athletic department decisions that make it a big deal with the AAU stuff and the academic stuff. So being a part of that, it does matter. But beyond that with the Big Ten, Travis Goff has ties to Northwestern. KU would fit in basketball very well. You'd have Indiana, Kansas, Michigan State. Those are, what, three of the top seven or eight basketball programs historically? And side note, think about some of the best KU players to come out of the Chicago area in basketball. Sharon Collins, Julian Wright, etc. Now imagine the Chicago pipeline when you're in the Big Ten. And football-wise, the Big Ten doesn't probably see KU as an asset at all. But you also don't have to worry about the SEC situation where A&M says, no, we don't want Texas in. They're too big a competition to us. Because Ohio State's not going to block Kansas because they say, oh, I don't want them competing with us in football. They added Rutgers a few years back, and they might be picking it up now with the return of Greg Schiano. but prior to that, they had been a mess in football. And being a member in the Big Ten gives KU more access to a special season, which is why you'd want to be in there. How often have we seen a team like Northwestern or Iowa or Minnesota or Indiana have that special season because they figured out and it lines up with a schedule where maybe you got to play Illinois and Rutgers and there's a more path to winnable games than what they currently have in the Big 12. And here's good news in this regard. Mike Vernon, who's kind of like a KU insider, reported that KU has a call set up with the Big 10. He also reported that there's a sense Iowa State is being involved here and could be brought along with KU. Which, guess what? Iowa State, also part of the AAU. The Big Ten values this stuff. And again, if the Big Ten is has the opportunity to say, no, we want Texas or Oklahoma or a giant football school, they'll take that. But at the end of the day, the academics, combined with the basketball, the non-rev sports, the facilities, all of it does add up when you're choosing among other teams, if they decide to choose some of these other teams. And so I think the Big Ten would make sense for Kansas. 
And I think the Big Ten, if they are to invite schools, the fact that KU does have these ties, I think makes them a viable option that if the Big Ten does want to expand, they'd be on the short list. I think option number two is either the ACC or Pac-12. There's kind of benefits, negatives of both. Obviously, both better options than staying on a sinking ship in the Big 12. Pac-12 had interest in Big 12 teams a decade ago. They're probably desperate not to be picked off either, so they'd be looking to add teams. You could be in a same league with Colorado, who's kind of nearby, one of your former Big 12 schools. Maybe you have a better chance of getting in the ACC because of your connection, Travis Goff, to ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips, who told Bob Bowlesby and recommended him getting this job at KU. But maybe the Pac-12 is more desperate to add certain teams, and maybe it's more beneficial to their TV contract. I'll say this. If you join the ACC, basketball would be pretty darn cool getting to play in the same league as you know Duke and North Carolina, Louisville and Syracuse. That's a lot of basketball power there. You have a bit of the football thing, too, where... Well, maybe in certain years, it's easier for KU to get wins over schools like Georgia Tech or Duke or whatnot. So maybe the ACC is a little bit better of a choice. You're kind of dealing with a geography thing in both sense, um, which are negatives. You're either in the ACC, which you have teams all the way in New York, like Syracuse, and all the way down in Miami, basically the southern point of the East Coast, with Miami, Florida. You'd basically already have that giant stretch on the East Coast, and now you'd be stretching into the middle of the country. That'd be a problem. Also in the Pac-12, outside of Colorado, who is the closest team to KU? Is it Utah? Because Utah is like a, I mean, Salt Lake City is, I think, like a 13, 14-hour drive. Looking at a two-and-a-half-hour flight to L.A., you're looking at a three-hour flight. So geography isn't really your best friend, but... Maybe this idea that's been floated out there about the Pac-12 adding on all the Big 12 teams and you have basically a Pacific division and a Central division and you'd get more traveling partners in that sense. That could make that a more viable option. I put it up for a poll yesterday on at RCST 1320. 74%, 73% voted that Kansas should join the Big 10. I agree, that's the top option. For me, after that, option two, it's kind of splitting hairs, ACC or the Pac-12. And then there is no other option for me. You could say option four is joining the AAC, sticking around in the Big 12. I think those are awful options given the fact of how much money you're going to lose for the university, how much money you're going to lose for the athletic department, how much money you're going to lose for the academic side as well. You cannot afford to do that, which means you have to be proactive. And I don't know if the Big Ten will want schools to join. How much will it benefit them? How much will it benefit the ACC? The brand of Kansas matters. The basketball of Kansas matters. The academics of Kansas matter, being in the AAU. Some of the new facilities matter. Some of the ties with Travis Goff to the ACC or Big Ten, they matter. But with the lack of football, that could hurt KU a little. Now, even if you look at football included, by revenue, Kansas in the last report from 2018-2019 in the USA Today, was third among Big 12 schools in revenue, only behind Texas and Oklahoma. So even despite football struggling, they were third, which means they'd be one of the top candidates if you're plucking schools from the Big 12. How much they're going to be interested remains to be seen. But as far as the best option for Kansas, just getting off the sinking ship of the Big 12 and moving on to one of these other options it would be a huge success. And if you can get into the Big Ten, that'd be my personal favorite, and I think that would be the biggest win of them all. 
FM 1017, 1320 KLWN's Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for tuning in wherever you're listening on either our AM dial at 1320, our FM dial at 1017, KLWN app, or at KLWN.com. I'm Derek Johnson in today for Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I wonder what KU's candidacy is as regards to expansion. I, I had a friend text me last night. He goes, where would you rank KU in regards to the team's in the Big 12 with their viability for another conference. So, in theory, if another conference was going out on a search, if the Big 10, if the SEC, the Pac-12, whatever, any other conference was going out shopping down the aisle of Big 12 teams at the grocery store, and they said, I want this item, I want that item, where would Kansas sit on that list? I think it's pretty clear Texas and Oklahoma are number one and number two on the list, and they would obviously be going to the SEC. So that leaves the other eight teams, and where would you put Kansas? Now, I don't know how to officially rank these teams because it's partially it's different for every team, right? It's it's like uh, drafting in, in the NFL. You know, the Chiefs might have pick X in a given draft, and there's a good quarterback on the board, but they're not going to take him because you have Patrick freaking Mahomes. So if you're the whatever, I don't know, the Pac-12, like maybe you don't take TCU because you don't compare to other schools. Like you'll still take TCU, but maybe you'd say, oh, well, I'd rather have Iowa State than TCU because they're going to be closer geographically to a school like Colorado or something like that. But just overall... Like, where would Kansas sit? I think they would have to be in the top half. And you could argue they should be near the top of that list. There is a page you can go to in the USA Today where they looked at the top school revenue for all the different colleges. Now, this relates to finances from 2018 to 2019. I don't think they've updated it to 2019, 2020. And obviously, with 2020 to 21, it's going to be a lot different because of COVID-19. But this is the last available data we have. Texas was the school that made the most revenue of any school in the country. So going back to our conversations about, well, why is Texas joining the SEC? Why is the SEC inviting Texas? I get why they're inviting Oklahoma. That's why, because they make a lot of money. It's not just about the football success. And that's the thing here. There are many different components that go into being invited to a a, a conference. Number one. It's can you make money? Number two, are you good at football? And if you're good at football, it probably means you're making money. Those are the top two things. And for schools like Texas and Oklahoma, those might be the only two things that matter in the conversation. For other schools, like the other Big 12 schools who could be scattered here, for a Kansas, for a West Virginia, and Iowa State, schools like that who don't have the same prowess in football as Texas and Oklahoma, more details matter. Academics. How are you at basketball? How are you at the non-revenue sports? How are your facilities? Things like that do matter for those other schools, whereas they don't as much for Texas and Oklahoma because the football and the money that comes in from football, which is kind of a circular thing again, leads to them just being a knockdown candidate. So Texas makes the most money. Oklahoma is eighth in the country, second in the Big 12. And again, this was 2018 to 2019. That means that outside of that, Kansas is the was the biggest revenue builder in the Big 12. 28th in the country, third in the Big 12. You'd have to drop down to 40th in the country to West Virginia to find fourth in the Big 12. And then you have Texas Tech at fifth, Iowa State at sixth, Oklahoma State at seventh, 
Kansas State at eighth. Baylor and TCU aren't on this list because they're private schools and they don't have to disclose this information. I think it's probably safe to assume that Baylor and TCU would be in the upper half as well of this list. So I think that's where you start the debate. You say, well, KU West Virginia, that's third and fourth on the list, but there's a pretty big gap between KU and West Virginia. And while West Virginia has a much more competent football program, it's not a blue blood football program that's going to carry the weight. So the KU basketball really helps in a discussion there. And the KU ties with the athletic department and the KU geographical ties to a conference like the Big Ten might help them there, whereas West Virginia ties to more geographically in the ACC and ties to schools like West Virginia and Pitt might help them there. It just kind of depends on the conference. Again, it depends who is doing the shopping. But I do think as far as candidates go, Kansas would be one of the better candidates. I get the football's not there. But again, they are third in the Big 12 in total revenue. And outside of Oklahoma and Texas, they are first. And that's even with the football program struggling. You have the basketball. You have the big brand of Kansas, which isn't just a sports brand. It is a university brand. You have the big hubs of alumni markets for KU in Dallas, in Chicago, smaller extent in Southern California. There's a lot of reasons that Kansas would be a viable option for a lot of these different conferences outside of just being good at basketball. Academically, they're part of the AAU, which is prestigious and important, especially in the Big Ten. There's a lot to like for the school. A lot of the Olympic sports maybe are good or have new facilities. You think about the volleyball facilities KU has. You think about some of the new facilities that they built on the football team. You think about the athletic ties that they have. You think about geographically being in the center of the country that it doesn't completely dissuade them from being in really one conference or another, even though maybe it means they would best fit in the Big Ten. I think, again, I'm not saying they have the best candidacy because it depends what conference is picking and what the conference is looking for. But I think Kansas is on the short list of the top expansion candidates coming out of the Big 12, which is weird considering the football thing. And again, it just goes back to this. Football drives the expansion. Money drives the expansion. And the money is driven by football. But when you're not a blue blood, then all of a sudden, when you're not in Oklahoma or Texas, then the other stuff does start to matter more. It's like if you're really good at basketball, And you have a guy who is seven feet tall and he can dunk everything and he gets every rebound and he blocks every shot. If you're going up at the rec center and playing against that seven foot guy, he's going to dominate and he might not even be that skilled. He's not going to have to shoot. He's not going to have to do anything in the post. He's not going to have to show his footwork. He's just bigger than you and better than you. That's Texas and Oklahoma. Now they might be really skilled and they might have some of that other stuff. They might be able to shoot, but he doesn't even have to show it. He can just do it, and he's better than you. Whereas Kansas and some of these other Big 12 schools in this situation of going to the rec center are the guy who, well, I'm only five foot eight. I'm a pretty good shooter. I'm not the best shooter, but I'm a pretty good shooter. I've got the best handles, though. I'm an okay defender. I'm okay at this. I'm, I'm solid at that regard. I'm pretty good rebounder for my size, pretty good defender. You're taking the big athletic guy, just like you're taking the Oklahoma or the Texas. But once we get into debate over, well, who's the second pick? Are we taking that guy over there? Or are we taking you, the passing and the shooting, which didn't matter for the seven-footer because he has the other stuff, it does matter for you. And that's what's important to remember here. Kansas has not been good at football. Yes, that could hurt them in some candidacies for certain conferences. 
but them being good at this other stuff, them having inclusion in the AAU, it matters to a certain point. And the fact that they have still, again, if you want to just boil it down to the bottom line, which is dollar amount, which involves the success of football or the non-success of football, they're still first in the Big 12 outside of Texas and Oklahoma, which means that they'd have to be near atop that list. And if you get good at football too, then all of a sudden the candidacy even goes up a little bit more. So I would argue they are one of the better products coming out of the Big 12, considering the brand, the membership in the American Association of Universities. You have the KC Media Market. You have the revenue portion of this. You have the potential that if football's good, the revenue portion even goes up. And again, if the revenue portion doesn't go up because football doesn't get better, well, you're still 28th in the country, which, again, is better than those other schools. And obviously helps that Travis Goff has connections. I mean, good thing that Jeff Long isn't in charge anymore. Could you imagine trying to go through realignment right now for KU if Jeff Long was in charge? I don't even know what would be occurring. Like, would Jeff Long be trying to get back in the SEC when he was at Arkansas and they're just like, no, we don't want you. Go away. Or would Jeff Long just be like, no, here, I got this good idea. We're going to join the American Athletic Conference and we're going to be better at football even though we're going to make a fifth of the same amount of money from the conference. I'm not really sure what would have gone wrong if Jeff Long were the AD and you were dealing with realignment and expansion and all this talk. I just know something would have gone wrong in that situation. So it's a good thing Travis Goff is in charge because he seemed to be in good hands there, not just because of those connections with Jim Swafford, the commissioner of the ACC, who used to be at Northwestern and gave a good recommendation of Travis Goff to the Big 12. Or if it is, again, just being at Northwestern and ties to a Big Ten institution, a guy that's well-liked, it's not just about that. It's the fact that, yeah, Jeff Long not being here, probably a pretty good thing. And say this, too. Say what you want about Shayon Zanger. Ended up not making it through, and he was the guy before Jeff Long. But the dude upgraded KU's athletic facilities with Rock Chalk Park. I believe he was at the ground floor. Like, he he got the conversation started of the Horish Family Athletic Center, the volleyball. He was the one who got that started. It just came under completion under Jeff Long. The indoor football facilities by the football field for KU were reallocated by Jeff Long to that. But the money, I believe, was raised by Shahan Zanger because it was originally going to go to revamping the football stadium. Those things won't go unnoticed if KU is looking for a new league. So tip your cap to Shahan Zanger because by him doing all that stuff, it made KU an even more viable candidate in all these discussions. And honestly, it's a pretty darn good thing that it happened because now a lot of KU's facilities are a lot newer and it makes you a little bit more appealing because, again, it's a lot of different things that go into this. If we're to tear out the things that matter most, football money matter the most. The other stuff like academics and basketball, non-rev sports facilities, that stuff matters not as much, but it still matters. And when you're picking between schools that are close, when you're not picking between Kansas and Oklahoma, right? You're picking between, well, should this conference take Kansas or should they take Texas Tech? Should they take Kansas or Baylor? And in those situations, all that stuff adds up and it matters. KU's candidacy is pretty good among the different teams in the Big 12. 
FM 1017, 1320 KLWN's Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson. Four o'clock hour, FM 1017, 1320 KLWN's Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson in today on your Friday. Scott Chasen of 24-7 Sports, Fog.net joins us now. He normally joins us on a Thursday, but since I wasn't here yesterday, figured we'd move him back to today. And there is obviously a lot going on in the world of college football or really just college athletics as a whole. It's just kind of being driven seemingly by college football with the whole realignment talk with Texas and Oklahoma reportedly getting ready to head on to the SEC. So the first thing I have for you, Scott, I mean, how valuable do you think Kansas would be among Big 12 teams for another conference? Uh, I think there's some value there. Um, You know, it's obviously a bit of a struggle given the state of the football program and you know, as much as people will want to, and I think rightfully so, uh, talk up, you know, all the good that the basketball program has done and, and will do for Kansas and other places, if, if indeed that is the case. Um, you, you have to look at football, too, just because that's what so many of these conferences care about, uh, especially with TV deals and TV partners. And, you know, I, I think Kansas brings value to another conference. I don't know necessarily that Kansas brings a ton of value to another conference as currently constructed unless you know, things get moving. So it's kind of a precarious situation. Uh, To me, the way I see it, there are three conferences uh, that make sense for Kansas to join. And they're the three Power Five conferences that aren't the Big 12 and and aren't the uh, SEC, if indeed, you know, uh, obviously something could happen in Texas and Oklahoma could stick around. But even then, you know, once you go through this, I'm not sure you want to stay in the Big 12, uh, knowing that apparently it's, you know, just on the brink of collapse because uh, you're two powers who – you know, it feels like the conference already bends over backwards, for, you know, for them. Uh, you know, they're catered to so much, and it feels like they're still looking to get out. So, uh, to me, the Big Ten is the best geographic fit. Um, it's it's a great fit for the football program in terms of recruiting footprint. It makes sense with KU's status as a research institution. Um, the Pac-12 intrigues me because I like the idea that the Big 12 and Pac-12 could kind of merge. You could create an Eastern division or a Midwest division, which I think would be, um, you know, helpful for the Pac-12, which is, you know, I, I feel like kind of struggled um, to really, you know, kind of get a footing outside of the West Coast. Uh, and I think that could help. And then the ACC, obviously, because of the relationship um, that you have between KU administration and their commissioner. So, um, those are the three options I think KU could bring value to each, but a lot of that is, you know, you got to get that football program figured out because I could understand, too, if some of those conferences and some of their commissioners would look at it and say, yeah, hey, we like your basketball, but uh, what are you really providing in terms of football revenue? I think that could be something that hurts Kansas. Yeah, and I think that's definitely interesting. That's that's always the driving force, and, I mean, if we were to make a list of what are most important, like, Football success and revenue are probably at the top. Now, there are other things that matter, and I know there's some people that want to sit on the perch of, well, that's the only thing that matters, and I don't quite take it that far. Now, if you're to the level of Oklahoma or Texas in what you do with football, but that's also based on a revenue thing, which goes into the other stuff, then maybe a school is just like, well, you're so good at football, we don't care about the other stuff. But for most of the other schools, it is an all-encompassing factor of, What about your facilities? What about your academics? What about your non-revenue sports? What about basketball as well? And again, football and the revenue can be the main things, but all those other things matter as well. And if we total that all up, by revenue, KU was third in the Big 12 in revenue this past season. 
I, I feel like if we were to obviously take out Texas and Oklahoma because going to the SEC, starting this all, and they're number one and number two on that list, is Kansas at or near the top of the list of the most attractive teams in the Big 12? Uh, depending on which conference uh, Kansas would be going to, I think probably. Um, you know, if, if you talk about the Big Ten, I don't know. You know, it's so tricky because you have to tie in the, the geographic stuff and, and you know, all the, this, I mentioned recruiting footprint, but just areas and what makes, like, logistical sense. Kansas also has a large alumni base in Chicago. You mentioned, you know, some of those other factors. And, uh, you know, look, to me, I, I do think Kansas is one of the more attractive programs just because, like, unless you're talking, like, Pac-12, you're not really looking at a program like Texas Tech, which is so far you know, located away from everything else. Even Kansas State to an extent, which is obviously just kind of right down the road from Kansas. Um, but, you know, I, I don't necessarily think Kansas State would get, um, you know, priority order or anything when you look at a lot of these conferences, like the ACC or Big Ten. To me, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, West Virginia is an interesting one. I think they would be pretty, uh, I don't know if you know, very attractive is the right word when you start talking about the ACC, but certainly maybe location-wise that makes a little bit more sense. And there are schools I think you expect to be fine, like your Oklahoma State. Um, I, I trust, you know, TCU is going to get stuff figured out no matter what. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Kansas is attractive in a number of different ways just because, again, I, I think you said it really well. Football can be C-A-N can be the only thing, but if you don't have it, that doesn't mean it's the only thing that matters. And, and I think that, you know, Kansas probably has a lot of advantages, um, especially, again, its status as like an AAU research institution um, over, you know, a lot of the other kind of programs that would be looking for places. So I do think revenue matters, too. If revenue didn't matter, then Texas, you know, for what it's done in football, would be behind Iowa State. Uh, in the pecking order to join programs because Iowa State's football program has actually become really, really good um, and better than Texas is, although obviously Texas recruiting, the Texas brand, and Texas revenue like you talked about, I mean, that's so huge too. So, you know, I'm really interested to see what it all ends up looking like because I actually think it opens up some really exciting possibilities um, and and maybe could even help kickstart a couple of Kansas programs, um, namely women's basketball and then obviously the football program too. So, yeah, I I think it comes down to more than just football, and and I definitely agree with you there. I don't for sure know that Kansas is the third most attractive program in the Big 12, but I would definitely put Kansas in the upper half of that, um, especially if you were looking at conferences like the Big 10 and ACC. Okay, let's say you're in Travis Goff's shoes. You get hired as the KUAD, and – I mean, heck, you graduated from KU Journalism School, too, so maybe you are on the right track there. Um, but you're the KUAD. What would be your direction of choice here? Let's say all the conferences are lining up, whining and dining you. Not that that's actually happening, but let's say you do get extended an offer from the ACC, Pac-12, and Big Ten. What are you kind of doing there? To me, the Big Ten makes the most sense. And I think Pac-12 going with a bunch of Big 12 schools and forming like a merger, that honestly would probably be my second choice. But why I think the Big Ten makes the most sense, especially for the football program, you know, take the, the familiarity with it, you know, uh, with golf at the AD spot and it, t- take that all, take it all out of it for a second. Uh, what Kansas is trying to build in football is a program that is in a way 
self-sustaining. I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, or, or just that, that it can have this kind of replicable success and build, grow the right way in its own area and move on and on. And when, and when I talk to kids, I talk to recruits. You know, one of the things that Kansas has done well recruiting in Texas is that their parents are comfortable with them going to a place like Kansas knowing hey, you're going to play Texas, you're going to play Texas Tech, you're going to play Baylor, you're going to play TCU, you're going to play the Oklahomas. It's all kind of in this area. Even if it's, you know, a four, five, six-hour drive, whatever, um, at least it's kind of regional and in the area. And when I think of Kansas kind of breaking into these other places, like take the ACC, for example. Let's say Travis Goff's relationship, let, let's say that, that secured Kansas a spot. That, that would be really fun for some amazing basketball matchups. But then you start thinking about football, and first of all, what does Kansas even add um, in terms of TV contract to you know an ACC TV deal that isn't, quite frankly, very good to start out with? So, like to me, while it's a viable option, and I think it's definitely preferable to going not Power Five, I want to make that clear. You know, I look at the Big Ten as this kind of nearby footprint where you're going to familiar areas, nearby schools, especially if you could go with another, you know. A well-touted research institution in Iowa State, if you could go together. And, and then I think all of a sudden you have some kind of things open up for that football program where you're recruiting areas that you're comfortable with, you're staying places that are kind of close to home, and that you can kind of build out and continue to grow a football program and then have success and go from there. You know, you're not talking about a program like, you know, Rutgers probably isn't the right, you know, example, but where you're just kind of on the outskirts of everything. And when things go bad, it becomes that much harder to kind of build. Now, I will say the Pac-12, I don't know if you'd call it a merger. That idea always intrigued me just because you could build a whole, a whole division. You know, take Oklahoma State, take TCU, take Kansas State, you know, whatever, and go with four, six, whatever teams. And, and you've got Colorado kind of nearby. And now all of a sudden, okay, you're still playing relatively, maybe not Midwest, but kind of Big 12 territory or whatever. Um, that you can continue to build off. But, you know, even then, the Big Ten to me is the one that makes so much sense in terms of academics, in terms of I think it's a, a conference anchored by some big names, big schools, Ohio State, Nebraska, you know, Michigan. Um, I think it's fun for basketball. I think it's familiar territory. I think there are good relationships. And I actually think Kansas would be a pretty good fit there. So uh, I would say Big Ten number one. But, you know, after that, I think you can get, uh, creative with it and come up with some fun ideas. We're talking with Scott Chasen, Fog.net 24-7 Sports. Coming up in a second, we're going to actually review Space Jam 2 with Scott, who is, I guess, taking the mantle of, of Matt Galloway on a Friday here and reviewing a movie. Don't know how that's going to go over um, <laughs> in the apartment for you guys. But uh, one last thing, because this is the second time you've brought up the academic side of it. And I was actually bringing this up on online earlier today. I was on Twitter having an argument with somebody about that the academics do matter here. And again, like I... I kind of go back to that conversation of, you know, if you're that good at football, if you're that brand of football, then yeah, okay, somebody will make an exception. You know, if Oklahoma wasn't a in the AAU, the Big Ten would still say, no, come on in. But we know the Big Ten has valued academics in the past. They said so last time they were going through realignment about a decade ago. In fact, 13 of the 14 schools are in the AAU, and the only exception, Nebraska, was in the AAU when they let them into the Big Ten. They since have got kicked out, but when they let them in, they were as part of that membership. The schools that are in the Big 12, outside of the Texas and Oklahoma, again, would be off to the SEC, are, 
Iowa State and Kansas. And those are kind of the two that some people have been rumoring to go to the Big Ten anyway. Is that coincidence? How much do the academics matter? Do they not matter at all? Where do you kind of sit on that? I think they matter. I think for Iowa State, that would be a great landing spot, especially, I mean, you know, Iowa's right there, Nebraska's right there, just against familiar areas. But, you know, I, I really wouldn't undersell that, like, one of two things is going to happen here. And I think it's been trending this way for a while. Uh, things are either going to go to, like, super conferences. I don't know if it'd be four. I don't know if it would be three. I don't know if it would be two. But things are going to trend that way with these large conferences or the other solution is the SEC is going to get so massive, or maybe two conferences would do this, that they would break off from this kind of current college model altogether. And I think that's the thing you're really trying to position yourself for, that you don't want to get you know, kind of left on the outside uh, looking into, so to speak. And so, yeah, I, I do think academics matter. I, I think it'd be a slam dunk for both Iowa State and Kansas to go together to the Big Ten. Now, I don't know that the Big Ten would want to do that. Maybe the Big Ten would have other programs it finds more appealing. But, you know, I, I think that research that uh, institution status, I, that's why we talk about it so much in the first place. And that, you know, it, it could be something that ends up, you know, really helping and, and carrying Kansas in a big way. So, you know, again, uh, there are a lot of conferences. There are a lot of possibilities that we don't even know, you know, quite frankly, how they'll end up. You know, if the Big 12, you know, most of the eight teams or whatever, maybe some of them, and the Pac-12 wanted to merge, you know, now you're talking about a super conference, and, and it's not just West Coast. You have a, a good bit of either Midwest or, you know, at least Big 12 country flavor. But, you know, again, I just think academic status, location, uh, even just alumni base, where people are, and then you start to look at the fit with that basketball program. I, I do think Kansas is actually a pretty decent fit for the Big Ten, you know, obviously depending on what the Big Ten wants to do. Yeah, and I think that's the big key. There is no one thing that's going to stand out. It's it's just a combination of a bunch of things that I think makes you a valid candidate. And the academic stuff, like, it might add to their candidacy to the Big Ten. It won't mm -hmm. be the only reason they get in, or it won't be the only reason that another school gets left out, so to speak, if the Big Ten does expand. I just I think it is interesting that they would kind of fit that billing. And when you think about this isn't, like, I understand it is driven by athletic departments and the conferences and sports and stuff, but it'd be a little naive to think that people of power at universities, who this is going to have a university impact for, wouldn't at least have a say in this from an academic standpoint. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And, and again, it's one of the, you know, I, I don't know if top selling points, if, if that's maybe taking it a little bit too far. But again, it's just why it kind of makes sense, at least if you're looking out from the Lawrence perspective. Mm -hmm. Now, the other possibility that, you know, we really haven't talked about, and probably for good reason, is this idea that what if Oklahoma and Texas leave, but the eight Big 12 schools say, you know, hold on, we want to, you know, we want to figure this thing out. We want to try and add a couple of members, um, you know, to me, that seems like the worst case scenario in terms of future risk. It might be more stable for the short term, but that's something I've thought about, too, and I don't think there's any way to visualize that where you don't think, well, 
now you don't have the big money makers in the conference. You know, whether or not schools like Texas and the Longhorn Network are annoying, uh, it's still very helpful to have them in the conference. And then also the instability of knowing, like, you're not in any, you know, great alignment that will protect you when, when these changes and these things come down. So, you know, for anyone out there wondering, hey, you know, it really seems like they're trying to force Kansas into a, another conference. You know, why can't they just stick it out? Um, you know, that's definitely an option, too, if indeed, you know, what's been reported does end up happening. Um, you know, I, I just think that's the least attractive option of the bunch. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you on academics, and, and it sounds like we're similarly aligned that, you know, the Big Ten does seem like a, a good option for Kansas if indeed, uh, you know, the Big Ten again wants to take Kansas because that's a big part of that, too. Yep, and I said this earlier, I'll reiterate it now. I think option one, two, and three is somewhere Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC. You go to one of those three, whichever you want to argue for option one, two, or three, go for it. I, I would prefer the Big Ten the most, but whatever. If you want to say this league's better than that, I don't care. After those three options, I think something went terribly wrong because that either means that what you said with the Big 12, it's stuck together, and if the Big 12 stays together without Texas and Oklahoma, it's probably not a power conference anymore. Um, or if you leave to go to a non-power conference, then either way, you're not in a power conference anymore. So option one, two, or three, and if it's not option one, two, or three, then something probably went severely wrong, and that would be a very bad thing because as much as people, I've seen some people say, oh, well, just drop Kansas to the Conference USA in football, and then they'll be competitive. It's like, that's not what this is about. You realize teams in the AAC made somewhere between 5 and $7 million last year for being in the conference, whereas KU made $35 million just for being yeah. in the Big 12. Yeah. He is Scott Chasen, 24-7 Sports, Fog.net. Coming up on the other side, let's review Space Jam 2. <laughs> Welcome back in. Rock Chalk Sports Talk, FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Matt Galloway no longer joins us for the movie review. So we have a slot open, and Scott had recently just watched Space Jam 2, which I got around to this morning, and he wanted to review it on air. So he must have some, some pretty good opinions of this. So for the day, Matt or I'm, I'm sorry, Scott has taken over Matt's place as the movie reviewer. And I mean, if Matt never comes on the show again, forever till the end of time, <laughs> Scott can say he had the final movie review between the two of them. So I guess we'll just do this like normal. We're going to do this week's movie review with Scott Chasen, 24-7 sports, fog.net. Do you actually have a five-word synopsis? We used to always ask Matt that for Space Jam 2. Yeah, well, first of all, let me say, Matt Galloway is the GOAT at this. I just wanted to review the movie involving the GOAT replacing the GOAT, but uh, I, I think if I had to give it five words off the top of my head, uh, you didn't ask me to do this beforehand, I would say uh, technology has gone too far. Uh, <laughs> is that five words? Does that work? Technology has gone too far. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, this is, uh, I, I, again, I'm not super familiar with the format i actively avoid listening to mad no we don't actually have to copy the format <laughs> I, I... i'm just kidding but no it's uh i was i felt very passionate about this movie especially because nothing else has gone on in the nba this week and so it felt like a good way to bring some basketball into the conversation yeah so i guess the main question that everybody's asking lebron or michael jordan who is the greatest actor of all time 
Well, um, I felt it very clear from about a 10-second cameo. This is a spoiler, by the way, so get ready to turn off your dial um, if you're listening. And then turn it right back on in 10 seconds. Um, Michael B. Jordan is very clearly the best actor who, uh, I guess, other than Don Cheadle, who appeared in any of these movies. You know, LeBron was good at acting when he was in Trainwreck. I know you guys reviewed that movie before. I don't know what happened between Trainwreck and this movie because I, I guess he's talking to cartoons and that's hard to do. But I felt like LeBron's acting uh, took a step down going into this movie. I think that, yeah, but I, I think it is just hard when you're doing with cartoons because think about it. Like you're just having that dialogue among yourself and then somebody's reading the line to you off screen and then they're adding it in later. I feel like that would be very difficult. Yeah, I, I will say LeBron seemed a lot more comfortable once he got on the basketball court part of the movie. And and I really noticed, like, I don't know your experience watching this movie, but for me, I really didn't like the first hour. And normally, in this case, the first hour would be almost the entire movie. Uh, but this is a two-hour movie. Um, once they get to basketball and they start playing and they start you know, having kind of the fun stuff with the other NBA players and characters come in, I actually got really invested in the plot to where, like, I'm not going to say I was cheering baskets and stuff, but how can you not, you know, be inspired by the idea that uh, it's not the road that Wiley Coyote comes up with mm. to, you know, cut into like a 700-point deficit just by <laughs> sprinkling some feed on a, on a machine. Um, I would just like to say that Wiley Coyote... Or not Wiley Coyote, uh, the Roadrunner, his nemesis, I think he is the most unstoppable player on the court, and I don't think he was utilized enough. Yeah, I, I think there were a few. I mean, Granny literally was the answer yeah. to game time. It's like any team with a competent offensive and defensive scheme in the NBA. But so. could, could she do <laughs> that the whole time? She could just go tell somebody no, and they would stop? <laughs> It was unbelievable, and and uh, I'm not the first person to point this out, but like uh, the Monstars or, or uh, the Goon Squad, whatever they were called in this one, they really I, I think dropped the ball. They they sat on their lead. I mean, at one point there's a rap battle going on, and they're just going to stand there, and <laughs> no one's even going to answer. Um, a very disappointing performance by them. Mm. Uh, just considering they went up by like a thousand points in the first half. Uh, my my favorite part of the movie, and I did tweet this, is. In a game where the score was, I want to say, 1,040 to 1,039, um, Lola Bunny takes like a mid-range two-point jumper in the fourth quarter, and it goes in. So it's like two points. That's great. Yeah. But I just thought it was so funny that the score is in the thousands. And they're like, well, still got to get into the mid-range when the game slows down. It's like, well, what happened to all these gimmicks that were scoring hundreds of points earlier? It's, yeah, there's like a, a there's like a 33-point shot, and it's like, no, let's let's stick with the mid-range. Okay, wait, I wanna, <laughs> I'm want to i going to derail this a little bit. Quick mock draft, because the NBA draft is actually like surprisingly next week. Um, top five picks in the okay. – if they're, they're, I don't know. If NBA teams were just drafting from players who actually played in Space Jam 2. Okay. Are you going first or am I going first? Uh, I don't know. We can just go back and forth. Um, I don't know. Do you just want to have a discussion about this? I, I think Roadrunner, Granny would have to be on there. Um, yeah. Kronos would have to be on there, even though Granny stops Kronos. But if, if you don't have Granny on the other team, Kronos is unstoppable. What What was the one? Was it Wet Fire, Clay Thompson's yeah. character? 
Yeah, to me, uh, again, you talk about underutilized. I, can't he set the ball on fire and send it into the hoop <laughs> to me? That that was the play I was waiting for. Um, I, I like him. I I can't remember. Diana Taurasi's character didn't do much, but she yeah. had like a snake. I, I felt like she could have. Again, the coaching, I think, was where this mm-hmm. team fell apart. But I will say, I think LeBron has to be probably yeah. the number one pick. Well, what about his kid? He knew all the rules. Yeah, that's true. But his kid, like, low-key was kind of bad and didn't even help when he switched teams to the good guys mm. at the end, you know? Uh, I actually thought, I thought this movie was going to come full circle because for uh, those who haven't seen, it begins with, uh, a child LeBron missing a game-winning shot, presumably because he played with a Game Boy like, <laughs> three hours earlier. That's not even a Indian. That's like what actually happened. And in the final, like, he can't get to the basket. He's being stopped. And I was like, oh, he's going to kick out to his kid. His kid's going to knock down the game winner. LeBron made the extra pass. Like, it's all wonderful. And instead, he kind of just doesn't. And so, like, he, he scored, and, and good for him, but uh, it did not feel like a moment of growth to me in the movie. I guess that came a little bit later. No, I thought the same thing. I thought he was going to switch teams to, to kind of help them win there. That, that was kind of confusing. Can we agree, though, that the worst player on the court was actually Anthony Davis? Oh, my God, he was terrible. I, I mean, I think he scored one basket, and then it, like, bounced backwards through the hoop, and they took the points off the board or something like that. Yeah. Like, to me, what a disappointment. Like, he could have been so cool. He had, like, eagle's wings. He could have been flying through the air. I, I will say, Bugs Bunny was pretty worthless in this mm. game until the end. Maybe more of a motivational perspective. Lola Bunny had a good handle. Um, I think she was the best basketball player of the non-LeBron James group, but clearly offered very little when it came to the superpowers. Um, the only tweet that made me angry about this movie, because everyone has had opinions about it, is someone said, you know, what did you think this was going to be a good movie? Bugs Bunny was playing point guard with LeBron. Uh, Lola Bunny was very clearly, to me, the point guard of the Looney Tunes team. I, I don't know what you saw, but Lola Bunny was the ball handler. Oh, yeah, 100%. She was running the show. Uh, have roster management questions about why Tweety Bird keeps getting a shot. I mean, he's four <laughs> inches tall. Like, what's going on there? Basketball is bigger than him. But, yeah, Lola Bunny is, is the leader of the – the actual Looney Tunes people, not not LeBron James. So I agree with that. I, I think some of the best parts of the movie were honestly when all they were like putting the team together, though, and you had all the different Looney Tunes characters in the different Warner Bros. movie like scenes. I thought that yeah. part was kind of charming. Yeah, well, the Matrix stuff was great for yeah. anyone who remembers, you know, or, or who loved those movies. And then, you know, I thought it was funny that they actually found the Justice League, but, like, never actually recruited them to play on the <laughs> team. Because I certainly thought, like, Superman could have helped at one point. But but I will say this. If you haven't seen the movie, um, this won't just be total spoilers. There are legitimately charming and funny moments. And I think you have to get through the beginning because the beginning is cheesy and it's a lot and it's you know it's for kids but I I think there are so many jokes that if you're a sports fan you will understand or appreciate the reference or chuckle and then there are a few legitimately funny moments like and I won't spoil this but when the Looney Tunes need a spaceship uh, how they very easily acquire one like to me that moment Mm -hmm. was legitimately laugh out loud funny so it's not the worst movie ever um, quality-wise, it's probably better than the original, although it has the benefit of 
years and years of technology. But I understand for most people it won't carry the same nostalgia and they probably won't like it as much. Right. But I actually, yeah, I, I, I found myself kind of enjoying it. A few different moments of the movie where I, I found myself chuckling or thinking that was interesting. And then I, I just found myself as like a Where's Waldo book while you're watching the game trying to like pick out all these different Warner Bros. characters, Warner Bros. characters that are in the, the crowd watching the game. I mean, some of them were interesting. You'd see like Scooby-Doo and the gang and everything. And then there was some where it was like, wait a minute, why is Pennywise the clown here with front row seat? Yeah, you know, as, as someone reading the book It by Stephen King, now I have seen the movie, so I have an idea, but uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like Pennywise would get along too uh, kindly with the good guys or, or any other character in the crowd. Could you imagine if um, Pennywise like <laughs> ate LeBron's kid? Well, I, I had a few questions here, uh, one of which was, could you imagine if you went to a game and Pennywise the Clown had to be next to you? And, and forget Pennywise the Clown for a second. If I went to a game and a guy dressed as Pennywise the Clown had to see next to me, and I know it's not him. I know it's a guy in a costume. There's a 0% chance I am taking my seat at that game. <laughs> I, I am bolting. I am out of there. And then just one final thing to add on top of that. Uh, based off the rules of the universe, I do believe that uh, Bronny James Jr. is now the son of Devin Booker. Wait a minute. I'm not following the, the logic there. Yeah, well, the winner of the game between LeBron and the other team got LeBron's kid in the movie. And by real-life standards, Devin Booker, 47 points to close out the ah. uh, I do believe Devin Booker is now the father of LeBron's child. Okay. I see where you went there. Um, mm -hmm. Well, then maybe Devin Booker will be in Space Jam 3. <laughs> they, they're going to make a third, right? <laughs> they have to, they're going to make a million of these things. Yeah. Now they have to wait a while just because people will not be ready for this for like 20 years at least. But, you know, eventually they'll get around. This was a great commercial, by the way, for Warner Brothers. But I did enjoy it. I, I legitimately enjoyed this movie. It, it wasn't great. It was like a, I don't, I don't know. You should rate this too. I give it like a six out of ten or a five out of ten. But if you're just asking me, like, did I enjoy it? The answer is yes. Well, if we're going on the Matt Galloway scale, his scale was always five. If you're if you're above five, or maybe it was five exact, then I'll rewatch it. If it's below five, I'm not going to rewatch it. And that doesn't mean you're going to yearn to rewatch it. So I would say somewhere between like a, a five and a, a six would probably be about yeah. right for this movie. I think that's fair. Yeah. On the Galloway scale, TM, I think that's probably very, like, perfectly put. I will never go out of my way to rewatch this entire movie, maybe the basketball scenes. But if it's on someday and I'm just bored doing nothing, like, absolutely, I would turn on Space Jam 2 and catch the last 30 minutes or something. Yep, but don't watch it for the refereeing because that was really bad. I mean, people are getting, like, tackled. <laughs> There's no fouls called. Pretty I wanted something. a Scott Foster joke so bad, and, and then <laughs> I tried to figure out how much would LeBron have been fined if in a movie he said, well, what in the Scott Foster bleep or whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, they would have to find him a million dollars or something because millions of people are going to see that. Yeah, that would have been great. I, I don't know. Can you find him? It's not in an NBA-sanctioned event. You know, I think you can. Yeah. Uh, someone I tweeted that, and someone responded and said, "I think they would have to fire Scott Foster," which actually might be the actual answer. Yeah, I mean, they should probably just do that anyway. Scott Foster, <laughs> Angel Hernandez, and the uh, purgatory of officials in professional sports. He's Scott Jason, twenty four seven Sports, Fog.net. Scott, thank you so much for the time. Have a good weekend. Thanks for having me.